Let me just say, I, what, what I, have, say? I, I have heard the desk already during this chat, so... I haven't so I... touched it! <laughs> I swear! Do I need to unplug my charger? It I don't know. Nice. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, it's, you know... Here, I unplugged it. It should last. Yeah. Maybe it's because I move. I move too much. <laughs> if I just don't move my feet anymore, I should be fine. I'm kind of like that too. So at these events, obviously, I'm like holding a microphone, but typically like I really like to speak with my hands so there, there's so many times I have to remind myself to keep that microphone by my lips Bridget you know like at the event like it's just like a constant because I <laughs> want to talk like this the whole time that's why you just have one open you have one free you do that though you'll be like and then you guys do this <laughs> that's a whole technique yeah you I mean if you get used to that's the weird I mean Public speaking is, you know, is like hell if you're not used to it. And even when that... you're used to it, it's scary. I still <laughs> like, I don't know, Bridget, as a performer, if you feel the same way, but it's like, I've done this like every single weekend of my life, but I still like it. Like, I have to use the bathroom before it starts. Like, I still get like those feelings of str like stress. Like, I don't know. I, I haven't gotten yeah. it. It's like, it's like uh, pre performance jitters. It doesn't matter. I've like, I've sang tell as old as time till my I'm blue in the face but I'm still like oh don't forget a word don't forget the word sing the right note don't choke while you're singing and then it's fine but the well, whole time I'm like don't don't mess up <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes if you get too confident like if you're like no I'm like living in my moment like I am Belle you like all of a sudden like halfway I'm not saying you but me like in general like yeah. halfway through the announcements I'll be like wait wait what what like I'll like have disassociated with like what's happening I'm like where am I where am I like in my head but Luckily with kids, as long as you keep a smile on your face, like it's a good audience to have. Like it's not, it's low pressure. Yeah. You can like Charlie Brown up there. Wah, 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 wah. Princess. Okay. Elsa. I'm here. Here for it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that has to go right. So, I mean, it's, it's a skill that you acquire over time. And, and like, if you're holding a microphone, I'm not used to actually holding a microphone. So I'd probably be terrible. You'd probably be hearing me, you know, fade in and out constantly as you know I'm, i struggle to keep it a consistent distance from my mouth but that's my one of my biggest pet peeves with singers we'll have these amazing girls that are just like amazing singers and they'll be up close and so i'll turn it down and then they'll like move the microphone and then i turn it up and then they move it which sometimes with a trained singer like they're pulling away because they're gonna belt or sing louder yeah. but like a lot of the times i mean they're like 16 17 year old girls like they, they're not really trained and like we don't actually train them we're just like go with it but yeah it's I, I saw this crazy video of a guy who is the um sound engineer for uh is a, a road production of hamilton and oh. he's just this you know geeky kind of tech guy this uh kind of like a radio guy or something dj who's running the the soundboard and i mean just you know probably hundred different channels of things that are going on that he's having to, <laughs> to keep track of while the show's going and he's like moving the faders as the show's he, you know he's constantly fading in different characters and fading them out uh just he's he's basically a one-man orchestra up there those you know people those people, worth, yeah like, those people are worth so much money i mean we we just looked at the venue that we're using um this weekend here we just walked through it and they have all these amazing things. Like you can change the colors of the lights. Like when Elsa comes out, like if you had the training, you could turn the lights blue and like they have these screens you can mm -hmm. utilize all this stuff. 
But like, if you don't know how to do those things, it's worthless. So I feel like those AV people, Mm -hmm. they are worth like every, every penny because like, I can't even plug in a microphone, but they can come in clutch and make just like a normal performance so much more, you know? Yeah. You'll want a a sound guy, a lights guy, you know, but sometimes, you know, multiple sound people and, Mm -hmm. uh, lights are it's a little easier but still very complicated you know complicated if you're uh you know running the whole um you know setup of what you want out of like a, a highly produced concert or something like that um but yeah some of these these guys they're just wizards i and i'm more fascinated by that than i am by like you know a, a, an analog instrument you know acoustic you know violin or uh, you know uh, some of the the traditional orchestral, you know, I played saxophone in in high school. And Jody, you you were in band for quite a while, right? Yeah, trombone, second chair. <laughs> Did you go all the way to senior year? I honestly can't remember. I feel like my mom would have made me do it all the way through senior year, but. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like blacked out that class. Like I didn't really enjoy it. I just did it because, it was the thing to do. I totally don't know. get it. Yeah, Bridget, did yeah. you do an instrument in high school? So I was a I was a choir girl. I did chorus and then I transitioned into theater once I got into high school because we didn't have a chorus teacher. We only had a band teacher. Mm-hmm. And so he did not like, care about us. Is chorus like in the robes or is it like vocal jazz or like what is chorus compared to like uh, it it depends. So it's usually like um, you know, just like regular like choir type things. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's not church related because it's school, but um, yeah, it was basically choir and like I went and did competitions regionally and statewide that, you know, you could do like there was one that it was like we got best trio in the region because we did some song in Latin that I oh, I remember weirdly enough. Um, but then we also had like big choral performances. If you got picked for honor choir, then you got uh, to go and like be a big part of this big choir. So I did that all like basically my whole life. And then I got to high school and our course teacher was not great because he was a band guy. Mm. And so I moved to drama because it was more fun. Mm. It was more fun than just standing there and singing. But Scarlett plays clarinet now. So <laughs> she, she's a band girly right now. That's cute. Saxophone's a lot like clarinet, right? Well, she wanted she wanted mm. to do the trombone. No. She wanted to. And I so showed happy. her. Yeah, I showed her people like playing all the instruments so she could kind of get a feel for what each of them were like. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna do the clarinet. I think that's what I'm gonna go with. So we'll see if she sticks with it. That's a solid choice. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, you get to play so many things if you do this. (laughs) Yeah, I never, you know, took to learning an instrument. I, (laughs) it's kind of like the whole scenario we were talking about in the thought chat of like, you know, the metric for progress and I just didn't have a a concept for, you know, learning how to appreciate the process rather than the results. So like I, you know, I would have had to be dragged kicking and screaming to like actually, you know, take my instrument home and like practice it. And, you know, I, I did the minimum effort. I feel so bad, but like, you know, all the work that I put into learning saxophone was just, you know, the rehearsals in class, you know, that we did for the the group concerts and for like pep band and stuff. And I enjoyed that. And I could, you know, keep up with the music for the group, um, you know, concert pieces. 
Uh, but I, I had no technical skill just beyond that, being just beyond that that was being me. part like, of it. I was yeah. like a, a pep, I was like a pep band type. Like I can, I can play it. Like I'll be fine, but it's not. Yeah. I'm, just, I was like this on the back. Just like a cog in a machine. But like, if you asked me to do like a solo or a sectional, I just, yeah, I would have withered. Yeah. Miss <laughs> Juntnan, Miss Juntnan would look right at you and you'd be like, nah, don't. Don't look over here for your next soloist. She was so chill. I I have so much appreciation. You know, I like, you know, I know she would have loved it if I had, you know. Excelled. Yeah. Applied yourself. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. she didn't pressure us either. No. So like, I, gosh, I feel it's bad. It's one of those things you can't force on people, like an art or like drama. Like, Bridget, if you were like telling your daughter you have to take you to have it to be yeah. in the play like you have to be in the play you're gonna love it like no if people don't love it they don't love it like expose them to everything but don't yeah especially the arts like yeah and we've been trying I've been trying to not be so aggressive <laughs> because I, I was a trained singer so I'm like and she loves to sing so I'm like oh do you want me to like work on notes with you like she wants to be in a talent show and she wants to do when I'm older my Olaf. Oh, that's that's what she wants to do. I don't know why, but that's what she wants to do. Uh, that's why I was like, you don't want to do like Elsa, even though I don't know, but Elsa, if she wanted to do the Skylar sisters and I told her she had to pick a song that had one singer, not oh. five. So I was like, you can't do Skylar sisters. <laughs> she picked Olaf. Yeah. She was like, I want to do when I'm older. Yeah. She's like, I want to do when I'm older. That's from so the Broadway like, show, correct? Yeah. From Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, she Olaf. Uh, when I'm older, what, what's that? It's from? from Frozen Two. Yeah, it's when he's in the woods. He's oh, like, that's right. Yes, this will when all make sense when I'm older. When I'm older. Yeah. She okay. wants to Sorry. do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah I, know, I know the the sisters thing. What what the what were their names again? The Skylar. Skylar. Angelica. Peggy. Oh. Angelica. Huh? Eliza. And Eliza. Yeah. Yeah, she's um, like obsessed with Hamilton, which I'm fine with. But I was like, yeah, let's pick a song that has one singer because that. No, you're not, you don't want to do that on stage. You want to pick a song that you know that has one singer. Unless you have friends who want to sing with you, which none of her friends want to sing. But yeah, so I'm like... <laughs> yeah, briefly, I forgot the soundtrack to Frozen 2. Apologies. Yeah, no. <laughs> Heresy. Yeah, well, it was so funny, though, because I'm like, oh, I can work with, like, uh, with, work with you on, like, notes if you want to work on timing. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it in my room by myself. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know if you guys have TikTok, but it was like... <laughs> It was like kids in the 90s, like every time their mom would leave and they'd be like recording them. They're like recording themselves like me when my mom left me alone in high school. And it's like trying to figure out if like you're a really good singer or not. So you're like recording yourself on like your big computer and then like playing it back. And yeah. Like, like Lion King songs or like Titanic. And I was like, I was definitely like that. Like I didn't want to really sing for anyone, but I loved to like listen to my own self sing and like be like oh my gosh I sound like Nala you <laughs> said I'm living my best life no I was like I love to be on stage and I was like I, I was like every solo I want it but ask me to like listen to my, myself singing absolutely not I won't even listen to myself <laughs> talk I don't want to hear it I'm like no I don't want to hear it. It, it tell me I did great that's all I, I need to know <laughs> Well, this is great material. I better pause and intro the I know. show. Yes, uh, honestly, wait, wait, wait. I got her. Okay, <laughs> blue, red. I always have to review the names, and I was like, it was blue, red. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, you can do that, and because uh, I'm gonna keep some of the stuff in. This is great, uh, and okay, this, there are some out. frozen, frozen adjacent things definitely that come up during the show. You guys, show. wait. I do uh, have to tell you one more thing. But, so, okay, um, yeah. 
yeah. two weeks ago is after like they had announced like Frozen 3 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So at the princess party, we're like, have you seen Frozen 1? Like, have you seen Frozen 2? And then it's like, did you know there's going to be a Frozen 3? And like the kids, it was these kids. I love these kids that we've been seeing lately. Like their energy has been so good. They were so hyped because like, I really don't care, but like it will pad my pockets, like whatever. Like I, every time Disney does good, like I'm happy, but like the kids were so excited. Like when Elsa's like, I'm going to have a brand new movie. I don't know when it is. Like we really been hyping the kids up. <laughs> good, They're like, good. it better come out soon. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, mom, can we watch Frozen 3 now? That lady said it was... <laughs> coming out that's how kids are that's how i would yeah if if it exists in as a concept you feel like it's already like i should be able to watch this thing that was me with twilight that was like the only movie where i like was shaking okay and dune twilight and dune like both <laughs> like when we went to dune like ryan will vouch for me <laughs> i was like we almost had to leave halfway through because I was almost like sick because I had really like hyped myself up to see this movie. Like, so halfway through, I'm like, oh my God, my stomach hurts. And he's like, it's because you got like, <laughs> you like made yourself ill, like because you've been waiting for this movie so much. So yeah, I mean, I can see, and kids do that. They get sick at the ball because they're so excited like to see our bodies are annoying yeah they get very overstimulated and they're like i yeah. love everything well and i mean oliver does that when he gets upset he throws up so it's just oh, oh. overstimulation throws yeah, up i'm like yeah. cool love that thanks on, on that note this is the thoughtcast conversations about <laughs> animation uh and uh and we like to talk about frozen some sort of the namesake for the whole darn show and uh animation yeah we we talk about all kinds of things here as if you've ever listened in the past but um today we actually have a specific topic related specifically to animation um so i'm excited to cover that but yes the Thoughtcast conversations about animation is the program, and I am Philip Elke, uh, podcasting here from northern Minnesota. Today, I'm joined by Bridget and Jody, both coming in from the great state of Georgia. Thank you so much for zooming in on today's show. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, you know, maybe steer back towards more animation specific. I mean, we were kind of talking about announcements. We we missed a week last week. It was probably a bad week to, to take time off. It was for show. your birthday week. <laughs> yeah, no. You needed the I time was, off. I needed time to rest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not a surprise to anyone to hear, oh, a new Toy Story movie, a new Frozen, another Zootopia. I'm Another I'm Zootopia. <laughs> I heard and, that. So I heard about Frozen and I was like, okay, I saw that coming. But they were like, oh, Zootopia. And I was like, yes, I'm excited for that. I also heard like whispers of like a Moana sequel, but I don't remember if there was like actual confirmation with that one. But I, I remember hearing about it at one point. Did you know if that one was confirmed or not? No, I okay. heard that. Then maybe that one was just like in the little rumor mill. Um, Probably, uh, yeah, they're not at a point where it's announcement worthy, uh, but I, I imagine the likelihood, because I, I imagine they're maybe between choosing whether they want to do a full-blown sequel or if they maybe want to do like a Zootopia Plus style or Baymax style series on Disney Plus. I looked it up. So as of January... 
Um, they want to do, a, they're going to do a Moana TV series and they have added David G. Derrick Jr. as the director. Okay. Hmm. But that's a, that's so a there's theory. something in the pipeline for Moana too. I think she's yeah. up in popularity lately. I was looking um, and it was saying on um, Disney Plus, I think it was last month. It was the third most watched princess movie. I'm always trying to like keep a pulse on the princess popularity if that makes sense like who's coming in and who's coming out so I think Moana's seeing a little surge and then obviously this is not a surprise but everyone knows like Tiana is getting a new ride at Disney World and she also has an animated sure. series coming out um, in the near future I believe both those things were probably announced even further back but I mean there's a lot of cool stuff coming into the the animation world yeah, and that's what it says. It says it'll Moana's TV show will be on Disney Plus sometime in 2024, but no word on if they have like The Rock and the original um, actress to do their voices or not. Yeah, and actually, you know what's funny? the The writer of the movie we're talking about today, The Sea Beast, um, he was also one of the writers on Moana, right? That's yeah. what he's a co-director. Had. Oh, co-director. Yes. Yeah. So Chris Williams was the guy, and I mean, I was just sort of looking at his IMBD file before we hopped on here. And it's funny how many projects, like he was the vo voice of Oaken and Frozen and just all these little things he's done. It's crazy how like, I've never heard of him before, but he's a central piece to a lot of movies I really like, you know? I, so uh, this was one yeah. of the movies that kind of totally floated past me. I hadn't heard about the Sea Beast until Philip brought it up to watch it for um, tonight's episode. And I'm happy I did, by the way. I thought it was very cute. Yeah, uh, definitely would have been amiss to have uh, not covered this especially well it, it did get the nomination for best animated feature uh, for the academy awards along with guillermo del toro's pinocchio marcel the shell with shoes on we gotta we gotta see those two still and then uh puss in boots the last wish and turning red interesting batch you know what i've heard such good things about puss in boots i'm not a shrek person and i don't really live in that dreamworks world but um on tiktok at least which is where i guess i get all my news now um i've been hearing like that the plot is really good and like the characters are really engaging like it, it's a good one to watch i really do want to see the other ones you mentioned too um the pinocchio i haven't seen it yet but i've i've been thinking about it has it come out yet that one pinocchio is on netflix yes okay no i haven't yeah seen it. isn't yeah. marcel also i'm not sure Sure, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, I will say Puss in Boots. Um, it's one of those movies, like if you did decide to watch it, that you don't need to watch any of the other movies. Like not really. I love, I love that. Yeah, like there's like some characters from other movies and things, but you could get away with not watching it. This one, the, the Sea Beast I was watching and Ryan took a look and he's like, oh, it's a sequel to How to Train Your Dragon. And I'm like, kind of. But no, but they are very similar. It's a similar vibe. Yeah. They do. They do look very similar. And that's like, I was reading that this was his first like animated movie outside of Disney, especially because, you know, they did it during the pandemic. And so it was interesting to see because I, of course, I looked him up and I was like, oh, Big Hero 6, Bolt, all these movies that I've seen. Um, so it was really, and I mean, we watched it as soon as it came on Netflix because like, for some reason, Scarlet knew about this she was like we're gonna watch this movie it's coming out today we're watching it and it was really really cute it's like one of those it's it's original which I love because you know everything's a reboot nowadays 
So I was like, oh, I love that it's like something original, but it also had like a cute message and it wasn't like, it was like enough action, but not scary per se. There were a few parts that Oliver was like, ah, they're gonna die. Like he was like hiding. But other than that, it was like pretty like, you know, family friendly. It was cute, it was really funny. The older I get though, I feel like the more sensitive I've become. Um, Red is sort of one of the main monsters in this one. And as you follow the story, you find out he's like being hunted and there's scenes where they're throwing those like harpoons at him. I know it's a cartoon, but even like watching Way of Water Avatar, like I'm getting more and more sensitive to like on-screen violence. I feel like before I could watch literally any movie, I wasn't squeamish, but now for some reason, especially like hurting innocent animals. I don't know if you guys have seen Way of Water yet, but Red, when he's like being attacked, it's like, man, I really hate that. Like it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I, I don't know if it's just like with age, my like, I don't know, myself is like just more empathetic, but I can see why your son was probably a little yeah. It's well done. Yeah. I, I mean, I get uh, being sensitive to things. I, that's why I go see movies. Yeah, it makes you, it definitely makes you feel something. And I mean, kind of like you said, this plot isn't like, it's it's original in the sense that like the characters are are very unique and everything and the cast is very diverse which you don't always see in kids movies but a lot of like children's stories throughout forever are about you know this hunting or killing or going on expeditions kind of like a rite of passage thing mm -hmm. i i like those ones there's a reason why they like i think stick with us and i think they brought in just enough special elements that it wasn't it wasn't really boring to me it was a two-hour movie i was for me, it went faster than that. Like usually for a kid's movie or like an animated movie, two hours is sort of like where I draw the line and I'm usually over it, but it went quick with me. I mean, they kind of had like that first full hour of, you know, before they go to the island of those monsters. And then the, then the second half, it was kind of like two acts, which I thought was nice. It was a nice pace. Yeah, just a quick note, Marcel the Shell with shoes on is uh, an A24 film is not available for streaming anywhere that I can see uh, oh. other than just a standard rental. Um, so I'll have to hit that up, you know, Amazon I, or something. I think it had been on streaming, but it might've come off because I've seen it before and I know I did not pay to watch it. <laughs> okay. Maybe HBO Max or something. It's I'm not seeing anything in my Google search results uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it's trying to capitalize on the... You know, buzz from the Oscars. So it's uh, only available for a paid rental uh, to help generate. What about on Apple? Apple TV. Apple TV is one of the more expensive options. That's $5.99 versus $4.99. Yeah, Bridget, we're not in that tax <laughs> Oh, I don't have Apple, so I don't either. But, <laughs> but for you people out there with Apple, you might be able to watch it there. <laughs> uh, well, anyways. Uh, I'm sure some of these movies are appreciating the little boost. Uh, Puss in Boots, for example, like I, I don't think the box office showing for that latest film um, has been necessarily what DreamWorks would be aiming for. I think it only recently crossed 100 million at the domestic box office, uh, but it's just got such strong word of mouth, but it, that it has stuck around in theaters quite a bit. Um, so yeah, Jody, if you get a chance to see it while it's still at the movie theater, I don't know if it'll be streaming easily somewhere anytime soon. Um, but worth, worth the trip to the theater. I'm sure it's probably yeah. still. I feel like I've been a couple steps behind lately on releases. We've been traveling a lot more for work now that, I mean, the pandemic's gone, gone. And, um, we just saw, 
Pearl, but that one was in the theaters maybe like six mm. months ago. So we, we've been just paying to stream things as we can. And I know you mm. recently went to a knock on the cabin door or something, you know, <laughs> I just feel like usually I'm kind of up to date on these things, but I am a little bit behind right now. So I'm trying to catch up with the, uh, the things they've been pumping out lately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, voice of Kristoff. He was uh, one of the stars of a knock at the cabin. The latest M. Night Shyamalan film, just a, a, one of the most thematically rich and dense movies I've seen in recent memory. I, I really loved it. Uh, it it's it's very kind of surreal and cr- confounding in some ways, but also just like, um, I don't know, I, the the whole yeah, making a movie making you feel uncomfortable in certain ways really hit with uh, with this one. Uh, but for me, it was, I, you know, I, I liked the challenge that it posed in some ways. It's like the, the trolley problem and, you know, the problem with like proselytization and, and trying to get people, you know, win people over to a cause. Uh, but you can't be too radical about it or you'll turn them away, you know. But what do you do when calamity is pressing in and, you know, you're trying to get people's attention? So, you know, it's 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 all about kind of that uh you know you don't want to be how fanatical can you be about something before it <laughs> becomes counterproductive uh i've yeah for you it was with dune it made you sick <laughs> and uh it's done similar things for me in some ways uh it can even lead to awkward i know we've talked about like awkward celebrity encounters on this show in the past and you know those kinds of scenarios um but anyways, uh, no no one's seen Knock at the Cabin yet, have they? Have they? No. Not yet, but that was a rave review. So Bridget, on your next date night with your husband, you're going to have to check it out. I know. We're really bad. Like, we used to go to the movies all the time. And then, you know, everything shut down. And since then, it's like, uh, it's like more effort than it's worth. Because, you know, you got to get a sitter and you got to do this and you got to go. And it's like, well, could I rent it from my house? Because, like, my mom rented Puss in Boots and that's how I got to watch it. She rented it on Amazon. So I was like, yeah, I get to do this for free. <laughs> so neither of you guys have seen Way of Water yet, the Avatar? I have, yeah. Oh, you have? have okay. So yeah, that was rough. That... that was that scene that you're talking about. I was, yeah. the whole time, I was like, oh, God. I know, I had to keep away. But I mean, it, it is all all a little too familiar because I feel like that scene was kind of in a way in the Sea Beast. And mm-hmm. just, I mean these movies are always like asking us like, should we trust history? Should we trust humanity? Should we trust ourselves? And I'm sort of like a doomsday person where I'll watch these movies and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're just horrible. But then like, I have to reframe it because there's a lot of really wonderful, kind learning moments in this movie. You know, the creation of a family with that little girl, just just overall, like, I, I just think it's funny how there's so many different movies, but they're all kind of telling us the same stories do you know what i mean you guys liked this you're both like saying that the cbs was something you guys enjoyed i really vibed with it you know it, for whatever shortcomings it might have had narratively uh it, it it really landed for me with what it was trying to do yeah bridget oh yeah no i love this movie when we watched it the first time i was like that was like a good movie because you know so oftentimes you watch a kid movie and especially when it's long you're like okay like they didn't need that there's like filler here filler there fart jokes whatever um And so sometimes like those movies can be a bit lost on me, but this one was really good. And of course I love a propaganda indoctrination message, like message. So, (laughs) cause that's got like, 
it, it was interesting to like look at it that way because of course I watched it a second time recently and it was really interesting to see like the kids and like the whole town they're like oh this is what we've always known this is what they tell us in the books this is what's right and then especially like Maisie because she is young she's like she starts to see that things are not quite the way that they've been told. And for her, it's much easier because, you know, she hasn't necessarily been like indoctrinated. She's not quite as entrenched in this story because she's younger. Whereas like, you know, the captain and the pirates in the town, they're older. So it's like, oh, we're more likely to not change our views. And so she's like, no, like, look, like, here's the proof. They've like, yeah, there are monsters technically, but like they've never done anything to us. They're just protecting themselves. And so it was really interesting to see like them kind of go against like, oh, hey, we have been like, we've been kind of been like getting told half truths and now we see it for ourselves and we can make good change. Yeah. Which, and I think that's always good to show is like change can be good. You don't always have to do the same thing. And I feel like that's a really good message for like kids to see specifically too. Yeah, just like you mentioned, like, this sort of like parable is, is it, is it like implying maybe like religion or the commercialization of war, you know, like they're looking at their past and they're like, this is just how it is. Um, and then something I like note noted as I was like watching is like, you also have to be careful nowadays of like not falling into the trap of considering all media to be fake too. Like you, you want to like, look at it with like, a good perspective and sort of like, where is the source coming from? But you don't want to just like assume that all of history is fake. Like you hear about people who like, they're like Holocaust deniers or something. Do you know what I mean? So it's like finding that line of like, what in history is factual, but what part of it are we sort of like turning a blind eye to? Do you know what I mean? You hear about like Columbus day, like he came to America. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's all. (laughs) But being sure that we include in the narrative, everything else that may have been going on and it's it is it's kind of like a fine line like who is writing the history and why and how can you speculate without being so distrustful that you're like oh fake media they're feeding you lies you know conspiracy in today's world (laughs) it is it is a really kind of more complicated thing than maybe it was well maybe forever yeah yeah it's a ballad of extremes yeah i i like my frustration with politics in general which is a subject that i've devoted significant amount of my life to uh is it's just i mean it's less so if you get you know truly into the weeds and you know have to do it for a living and stuff you know but from the outside it seems just like a, a totally um hyperbolic endeavor no everything is extremes everything is exaggeration um and there's there's no hope for um reconciliation or compromise or you know conciliation of any kind um but you know the the reality is 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 far you know more complicated than that thankfully if you guys have seen wicked before there's like a song in there where they're talking about like is is a rich man a thief or a philanthropist is the hero a crusader or or an invader and it's kind of like just saying like depending on the wordage that you use and I mean if you look at Maisie's little book and the words that she's reading to teach her about history it's just like all these little nuances and semantics can make just such a huge difference and I think 
Well, what was the refrain? Yeah, I think it's just like such a big topic. It was the the refrain here that we heard a couple of times. Uh, a hero can still be wrong, or or how, mm-hmm. how was it exactly stated? But it it didn't seem to imply that you know this person no longer deserves to be a hero. Just means that you know they aren't necessarily perfect, and we shouldn't glorify them as such. Right. Yeah. And that's like, and I think that like, and it kind of goes to show because it was like, who was benefiting from this story that they were mm-hmm. telling? And it was like, obviously the king and the queen were, and it, like, it doesn't take away from the people who like, you know, fought with their lives, including Maisie's parents, which is why she was so about the pirates. So it's like, it doesn't make them bad people because they were doing what they thought they had to do for the greater good. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we do this or like everyone we love dies. And so like to them, that's what they were supposed to do. And so it's like, it's not necessarily that those people were in the wrong, but it's more so like going forward, how can we do better? Like, how can we look at this and be like, okay, what we were doing is not totally right. So let's rectify that now before, you know, we erase a whole species of monster animals. (laughs) And just like you said, like you don't want to demonize literally everyone who may have taken like one side or the other. I mean, recently we went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans and you're watching all these videos of people fighting on both sides during the war. And it's like, I feel bad for both, whether they're like the fighting for the right cars or the wrong cars, because it's all these 18 year old young men just fighting for what they think they need to believe in and it's just I mean yeah it could just like make you sick and it's it's a heavy heavy topic but I think they did a really great job of introducing it where it's like hey look you here's your history book but like look a little deeper look a little more and another topic they brought up that I thought was interesting and I don't know if it stuck out to you guys again like TikTok kind of brought me to this <laughs> one but you know how the main captain um crew uh yeah well jared harris's character is uh yeah. crow crow captain crow. augustus crow yep crow is that Maisie's friend the one who ends up stranded with her um no that's jacob holland that's okay yes so jacob he was like essentially adopted right like that wasn't his real dad on the boat and i've been like just hearing more and more about just like the ethics of adoption and just like what makes a family and what doesn't make a family and i thought it was really sweet that at the end he in a way like adopts Macy like you're to assume that like that kind of becomes his new family and that question of when he was gonna go against his quote-unquote adoptive father who gave him everything and you know do you feel like you owe your adoptive parent that or someone who's helped you in the past do you know what I mean like try like parents should be giving you this unconditional love and you would think that this guy who adopted Jacob, Crow adopting Jacob, you know, that he'd love him like a son, but he really proved that when Jacob didn't do what he wanted, like that love's kind of like cut off. And you kind of are hopeful that Jacob raising Maisie will show her, you know, a different type of love. You just hear about all these like um, generational traumas and stuff now. So I feel like there's just so many elements in this movie that are really good to like explore with your kids. Like what is love? What is family? What does like, you know, adoption into someone's life look like. So I thought that was another really good topic that they kind of looked at. It's yeah, the dichotomy of these emotions that that we um, really ascribe to our relationships, you know, the unconditional love of a parent. However, 
that being tested through this uh <laughs> this rebellion this um you know defiance of the hunter ethos uh when when jacob you know uh yeah it's it that creates a certain catalyst for conflict and and that that potential for rift you know i think that <laughs> it's just it, it's such a key i think um concept within you know where we find ourselves today as humanity it's like i think we are tr attracted to anything that can cause any sort of a, a feeling of significance whether it's good or bad and if that means rebelling against my parents uh then that creates significance or it, it can be you know you know being subservient and being loving towards someone and sacrificial that that's another way of creating a, a significant emotion um oh a, a, a feeling of purpose essentially yeah. now, how do we create a feeling of purpose and and that is you know in some ways it's just to feel anything at all <laughs> and right. sometimes I mean... it's not good <laughs> Sometimes that is kind of like what life feels like. It's just like, what is that next emotion that I'm going to feel like that's what living feels like. But I feel like the older I get, the more I realize that like, sometimes the less you feel like the more stable and calm your life is actually like, that's better. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you guys have ever been in like relationships, whether it's like romantically or family where it's like, it's always like a roller coaster yeah. and you're really in that, like you're in it for the highs and lows. And then for, I mean, for me, for my husband, like, it's a very just like not like that like there's highs of course but and but like not the drama and it's sort of like you have to readjust your brain because it's almost like wait 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 what's happening here nothing yeah but like that's well, I, a feeling do you know what I mean like that yeah and it's hard to find. yeah it's like something that you get to like I guess when you become an adult I guess or like an older adult I don't know I don't know how to explain that but like not when you're know <laughs> I'm like kind of an adult like half an adult um but it's kind of like you know when you're a teenager everything's always like oh the drama and this and that and oh who's fighting oh my gosh I love him uh and when you're like 15 and it's all crazy and like I had even in like my early 20s I had friends that were like that but especially because I had my first kid at 22 I was just like that is exhausting like it's mentally tasking for me to be going like there being drama and people fighting like I don't care enough <laughs> to bother with that and so I feel like it's like as you get older or maybe I don't know maybe you just like have a life experience and you're like you know what I could do with less like I am totally cool with chilling on my couch on a Friday not going out not fighting with people not being in the drama I like to read the drama on Facebook don't get me wrong <laughs> I love the drama I'm not involved in but like I don't want I don't want to argue with people I don't want to do any of that it's just it's too much it's too much at this age that I'm like yeah I'm pretty cool with like just being even keel hanging out maybe like I get angry at my dog because she like I don't know peed on the floor or something ate something and I'm like that that is the extent of how angry I would like to be on any given day <laughs> Yeah, the tagline yeah. for Euphoria, that show on HBO Max, um, what's her name? I, uh, but I haven't even watched that because it's I haven't dramatic. seen it, but I've seen like enough clips on TikTok to like probably know who you're talking about. You're talking about Cassie, um, the blonde. Yeah, and uh, oh gosh, um, from Spider Man and all those things. Um, uh, Zendaya, she's real. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tagline is just feel something. <laughs> and it's about a teenager who's addicted to drugs. Yeah, well, like, like that whole show, it just seems exhausting to watch. Like, I don't, it's too we much. Just, it's such a stimulating world. I mean, it's like one day there's like a UFO over Alaska, and then the next day a train goes off the tracks and there's toxins poisoning Ohio. So it's like, it's finding a way to regulate that where you feel and you're like part of the human experience, but you're also like protecting your piece. And I don't know how we got here from all this, but with the, <laughs> with the adoption thing, just talking about how you don't want people to like use your love or use your feelings as a way of control. And I feel like that's what Crow is expecting from Jacob. Like, if you love me, you're going to keep being this hunter, this part of my crew, you know? Um, so yeah, all these subplots were, were really you know, I think they were well thought out, even though the dialogue of the overall movie and the storyline wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say like 10 out of 10. I do think it was, it was enough. Like, I feel like there was enough meat to it. So it didn't seem um, too surfacey. But I will say one thing on the animation part, red and blue, did you guys feel like they like lacked dimension in their animation? Like they didn't look, there was no depth to their bodies. Like they just looked too alien compared to the rest of the animation. That was my, that's my one note for the animation team. I thought. Get into the look. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you thought about the animation. Um, Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess just to, to put a, a little um, end cap on, on the, or, or, you know, a little uh, bit of um, punctuation on, on the thematic conversation. Um, there's a quote here from, um, it was cited on Netflix, but rogerebert.com referred to this movie as fun, smart, and sneakily deep. So hence, you know, why it, it let, led us into such just a, a weighty conversation about, you know, all matters of uh, craziness. Uh, but um, yeah, the, as far as the, the animation, the look of this film, um, I think did someone already bring up how to train your dragon since we began recording? You did. But... My husband. Yeah. My yeah. husband thought it was the sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it cribs quite a bit from that aesthetic. Um, you got the, the look of the creatures, which are these, you know, we're told of all the moments throughout you know time and history they've been hunted and killed and just all these gory gritty details um and and similar scenario with the dragons of burke and, and the vikings uh, um you know they're they're raised to kill dragons and the dragons you know are supposedly killed i mean it's, it's all very like violent uh you know premise for for a kid movie uh, but we actually get to see it here, which was which is kind of refreshing. Uh, the the bigger I feel like Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, uh, Pixar a little less so. But like a lot of these studios are just so sanitized. Uh, and Netflix is actually willing to take some risk. So you actually see well, yeah. one of these big beasts get get murked. Uh, Literally like boom. When the torpedo went off, I was like, no way they're going to show this. Like, you know, usually they fade yeah. to black. No, they show it hitting him right in the side and down he goes. <laughs> well, and you also see like the one of the monsters like take down a whole ship and like drag people into the depths <laughs> of the ocean, yeah. which honestly I haven't like I, we rewatched Atlantis recently and like 
when we were watching it, like you see people die. And I was like, I was like, you don't see stuff like this anymore. And so, yeah, that when people are like getting pulled into the ocean off the ship, that's when Oliver was like, ah, I don't like it. There's a monster coming out of the ocean. I mean, I don't, I don't trust deep water. So I totally feel that I would never, ever, ever be on one of those ships. Like I'll do a cruise ship. They're too big maybe to take down. It's like a mall, but I'm like, no, that's not me. That's not for me. That's freaky. Uh, and I, I don't know if if I had like a weird thing because I, you know, as a kid, I sometimes like to fantasize about, you know, macho things and, and characters dying in stories. But I think when it actually happened, it was sort of traumatizing for me, like seeing all the the fighter, you know, the starfighter pilots and Star Wars getting blown up by Darth Vader like that was you know that was dramatic for me i was like these people had lives and families and now they're they're just gone <laughs> you're having uh, like an existential crisis at like yeah. eight you're like this is not how i was supposed to go <laughs> that's exactly what i was like trying to refer to earlier it's like once you get older and you realize oh my gosh that's someone's mom or that's someone's daughter that's someone's that's not just someone falling over in a battlefield like that's someone who has this orbit around them of people who love them hopefully and like i think that's why we just maybe get a little more tender hearted which is probably a good thing. You like realize your mortality, the older that you get, especially, you know, as as, like people, you know, start to be affected by things. And you're like, oh man, we are not immortal. Like when I was like 20, I thought I was, I could never be taken down. Now I'm like, if someone could hit me too hard and I could die. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. When you live in Minnesota, like one little patch of ice and I'm done. Like if I (laughs) fall, like I'm totally done. You're like, that's it. My spine got pushed out of place and I'm dead now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Exactly. Our bodies are so fragile, but also like so amazing. Um, Like the cutesiness of some of the designs, you know, it's a little. um, Like they were too round, like they looked like balloon animals. Yeah, it's a little odd. Maybe it just helps keep things similar, keeps them a little more. Uh, no, because why did Blue have that little thing that like the fish at the bottom of the It duck- was an angler fish. It was like an angler fish hybrid monster. Yeah, but don't those live like 40,000 leagues below? They live like deep, deep, deep in the sea, yeah. And the one other thing I didn't get is when they were, I guess, quote unquote, like encapsulated by red or eaten by red, sure. you know, brought inside. And there's like a window so they can like look out. Where are they? in the fish they're like looking out they were in her nose yeah but is there glass in the nostril no there are so there are some animals that are like like sea animals that and and i don't know if they're all mammals but some of them they have like a um a thing like a layer of tissue that actually covers the holes so that water does not go up into their nose because they breathe air like kind of like a dolphin like dolphins breathe air so they have it. So water's not going into their body. Yeah. It's weird because of course, like I could get, I could get on board with there being monsters, but I couldn't get on board <laughs> with how they were able to sit in the nose and like see <laughs> the ocean. Like that pushed me too far. <laughs> well, it's it's a pressure. I, I don't think it's a membrane, but I think it's just like a pressure barrier, like how water doesn't always enter your nose when you go, when you, you know, submerge yourself um you have to you see of... the scenes with the boat where they take the boat over them and there's like the air bubble and yeah that's what it is yeah basically so yeah it's just that i guess you know the, the water isn't entering through the nostril because 
um the the beast red is is just not allowing water to enter uh, <laughs> she's holding in the the pressure of the uh, you know the air and until I guess... she sneezes them out yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know, know the extent of her powers okay <laughs> she's actually uh she controls the wind mm-hmm. and the water <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, interesting. I mean, these are intelligent creatures, as we learn, and uh, I don't know. They're, I mean, they're fantasy beasts, so they can look, I guess, however they want. The the little blue guy, very reminiscent of like recent, as we recently saw Splat. Yeah. Uh, Jody, I don't think we even heard too much from you on Strange World on on the air. So. I got uh... <laughs> to listen to your guys' episode, and luckily, you echoed a lot of the things that. I felt um, my only note when I was like, because I thought maybe I'd have a chance to jump on for that episode because I did see that movie. Um, my only note was like Miss Frizzle's journey into the body from Magic School Bus. But I think even one of you guys said that in the show. I can't remember, but yeah, I, I gave that one nine out of 10. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's for kids, so I I kind of like just they kept the design sort of simple. Um, in in some of those illustrations in the books, um, they look more like conventional sea monsters because sea monsters are like a very sort of elemental part of history and uh, you know the mystery of what what lay beyond the you know the in the depths you know beyond the known world back in the days of early exploration and you know colonialism uh things like that well that was something i read that like um chris williams that's his name right yeah chris williams i was like i remember it um he actually said that was like part of his like inspiration because he was like i wanted to do like you know kind of like an action movie where they're going into the unknown and going on an adventure and learning new things and he said that part of his um when he was thinking about it, part of what inspired him was like the old, like the maps of all the uncharted seas. And like, there's nothing, like no sea is named, but all you see is like a, a Kraken picture. So it was like those old Viking maps was kind of like what inspired him to go with that theme was like, oh yeah, let's like explore like what it would be like if there were monsters in the ocean. And it also made me think of like Loch Ness monster lore, which I know isn't necessarily an ocean, I think. Well, it's a lake, I think. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, Nessie, the lake, whatever. But there's always been a question of, like, what's under there, you know? But, you know, you see some of the fish that these deep-sea fishermen catch and find. Some of them truly look like monsters. Those old, giant, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Well, they've yeah, they've only recently captured, like, giant squid and... You know, at least live ones. They, like I think the earliest, um, you know, firsthand, uh, like picture or, or you know, a witness of a, a giant squid was like a dead one that washed up. But like in um, an actual, uh, you know, <laughs> what am I trying to say? An encounter with a live one right. has been just exceedingly rare. And then, yeah, all these other creatures. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fascinating subject within cryptozoology, you know, all the crazy sea creatures that, you know, there are tales of, but not necessarily, um, you know, corroborated evidence of. Yeah, it's no wonder about it. It's the inspiration of so many of these 
mm-hmm. stories. And I really think they hit the nail on the head with Maisie. I thought she was such a good heroine for this heroine, 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 heroine. I think it, I, I think it, it is heroine. It, yeah. yeah. It sounds like the drug. Yeah, heroine, yeah. <laughs> we I said thought, that and I was like, I think she's saying it right. <laughs> you know, sometimes characters like Maisie are a little too much for me, like their liveliness. I don't know if you guys remember um, Vivo with Lin-Manuel Miranda, but there's I another do. like there's another like over the top girl who's like for me like too much to swallow as an adult. But Maisie for me was like that perfect amount of bounciness and believability. Like, and I mean, I just think anytime you can have like a black girl as the lead, that's exciting because that's just something you know. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have seen. And she has these beautiful curls, and she's just she's a go getter, but she's not annoying. And I, I I thought she was good. Well, unless you guys found her annoying, I thought she was like a really good balance. No, I liked her. I like, I thought she was a really good, like, depiction of a kid. They're like, ah, oh, they're kind of like cheeky. They can kind of be annoying, especially to an adult when you want them to do something that they refuse to do. Um, like her stowing away on the ship. And he's like, why are you here? Um, <laughs> but then I also liked that, like, the one female character on the ship was also a Black lead. Like, Sarah oh, yeah. was also, she was the only woman on the ship. And she's like, oh, she's the most loyal pirate, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like, one of her role models could be someone who looks just like her, which I thought was really, yeah. really interesting. And it was like the the town when they showed everyone in the town, it was very diverse. I was yeah. like, I like that they like showed that, that not everyone is just like a white English person. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that is exactly how kids are. You know how like she knew all the facts like, oh yeah, you're the most loyal. This is this. She like knows their taglines. My nephews, they're obsessed with Disney cars right now. And they know all these different cars. Like if Dynaco is like racing McQueen, he, once kids get into something, the way um, Maisie gets into this, what would you call it? Pirating? Not pirates. What are they called? No, they're they're hunters. Hunter, they're like sea hunters. Yeah. And how she just knows all the facts and she carries the books around everywhere. Like if they were like Pokemon cards, she would have all the cards. She would you're right. She's like very much a kid. <laughs> very much a real real kid yeah uh, you know these diverse populations i think this is also like a fantasy world so it doesn't necessarily have to reflect you know any kind of existing population on earth at any particular point in time and and of course animated movies are trying to you know reach a broader audience uh nowadays anyways it's uh i mean sometimes this kind of thing look at for like everyone like I was looking at the scenes and I mean you are looking in the crowd of people and it's just it's more attention grabbing too there it's not just like a bunch of like no offense Elsa but like blonde white girls walking around like I love Elsa of course but I I that was one of the things that grabbed me too it made it in my opinion more believable like that it's like that but I mean I mean granted if you're in 1700 London like would the crowds look like that maybe not (laughs) or wherever they live well, and to what extent has that been revised too? I'm guessing in in many cases there are you know historical you know writers who who do kind of whitewash things and and sometimes yeah our perceptions are skewed by just history being written by the victors. Um, but then um, you know things like this that all the diversity you know gets accusations of wokeness or whatever but um i'm i absolutely won't well on this subject on this but um what i want to to note that you know 
sort of balances out any of those kinds of criticisms is just the great depictions of like strong male characters. There's like great depictions of masculinity. You know, Carl Urban as as Jacob, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jared Harris as uh, Captain Crow. I mean, like these are true. You know. <laughs> the leaders and and competent you know men you know male character male figures so you know you know if you're looking for whatever you want you can get it from this film actually that's another thing i thought of that i really liked about jacob was they could have easily made him a little bit more like you know how maui's kind of like pompous and full of himself kind of like silly in that regard i feel Mm -hmm. like they did a good job keeping jacob like a, a normal, like they didn't have to make anyone Timon or Pumbaa. You know what I'm saying? Like none of the characters had to be like this big comedic relief. Like you're right. Jacob was still like a masculine. Yeah. Like he wasn't like an over the top character. Who's like right. a, like um, a caricature of a real person. Yeah. It's like, you know, he has, he has wants and dreams. He wants to be the captain, but he also like has doubts like, oh, okay. Maybe what we're doing is wrong. And now I have to defy the person that I've looked up to my whole life. And yeah. like kind of put him in his place. Cause you know, at the end, after they're like, no, you can't do this. He's like, all right, I guess I'll throw in the sword. But it's in like. A, in a movie that was written and directed by Oaken from Frozen. <laughs> no, so yeah. I will say like animation wise, the, some of the characters remind me of Frozen characters. Like Jacob looks very much like Kristoff. He has oh, the yeah. big round nose. Like I was like, some of these people remind me of Frozen characters. Mm-hmm. I, the, the look is fairly consistent i wouldn't be too surprised i i would kind of note this as a bit of a stylistic departure if this were a film released by disney animation but i also wouldn't be overly surprised if i i did see a movie that had the same overall look and aesthetic from that you know being released by that studio uh there are a few things you know color wise lighting wise textures and, and things that maybe are a little off of the you know, what we're seeing currently, the strange worlds, the Encantos, you know, Frozen's, Moans. Um, but um, it, it's definitely in that vein. And that does make sense coming from someone who's a, you know, a veteran, an alum of Disney animation um, versus like DreamWorks was uh, significantly kind of departing from this sort of hyper realism um the, you know the the realistic textures and lighting um you know subsurface scattering and that kind of thing um and and uh other studios have just continued to kind of lean into upping the detail uh like Pixar you know Disney animation um and now Netflix animation with the sea beast uh so very detailed incredible lighting perhaps a, a little more grounded more realistic a color scheme, I thought, than something as vibrant and stylized as like a strange world or um what what did um Pixar do? Like a soul felt this this was maybe a little more grounded like soul as far as like its earth uh tones and things. Anything that was non-monster was very much like that. And maybe that was on purpose to make the red and blue really, 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 really stand out. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. And then my other thing, my last thing I was going to say was I really like loved the, the very last line that Maisie says, because like throughout the movie, I think she says, I'm going to live a great life and die a great death or something. I don't remember exactly. But at the very, very end, she 
it kind of is like fading to black and she goes I'm going to live a great life and I was just like I know that's like such a simple sentence but I was like if I said that to myself like every single day like I am going to live a great life like what a wonderful motto if kids like don't pay attention to literally any of the movie but at the end they hear Maisie say like I'm gonna live a great life I was like that is the that is the kid movie ending like that I need to see and I need to remind myself I thought that was just the fantastic way to like close it all out like I thought the ending was wrapped up perfectly with that line was there a point earlier in the film where she she was more like oh you know I'm gonna you know live for glory have a great life you know a heroic life and that and then added the end a great death part and then at the end it's just she leaves it at I'm gonna have a great life was that sort of a a runner I I only watched it once and I know she said something similar I can't remember exactly but the ending was for sure I'm gonna live a great life but I don't remember what she said earlier Okay, because that would be interesting if like, you know, she was just fully sold on that hunter ethos of like, willing to die in glorious battle with the beasts. Um, And then, of course, that changed once she realized the the beasts aren't inherently violent. Um, And then, you know, is more focused on living a a fulfilling and contented life. Um, And yeah, I, I love that you know the idea of that progression uh, it, it just really showed like the the development of these characters throughout the film um you know it, it is kind of a sudden turn you know is this uh this giant be- i mean no human being individually could pose any sort of threat to the, the giant red beast the uh they refer well, did to you see that torpedo fill up that torpedo but that it's tor- it's yeah <laughs> launched by a crew of people you know it takes oh. multiple people to load um what are they called the the bluster the red bluster is that yeah the red bluster is the name of the giant uh sea creature correct i think red (laughs) and blue is all i remember them as okay and then the boats were like intrepid and inventive or something it's uh the the ships i have that um it's the inevitable and the imperator great names um and then yeah the imperator uh is a character that kind of um just disappeared uh midway through the film but the um admiral character he'll probably be back there is a sequel supposedly in development from netflix um apparently this is their highest uh, viewed animated film so um smart of them to develop it as a franchise i i can't wait for more um what was the admiral um what am i even looking at here (laughs) oh dan stevens the beast himself as admiral eric hornigold Uh, so you have that um and then that uh sort of pirate witch character (laughs) gwen batterby uh i imagine she'll come back too because that was kind of a dropped thread uh you know, I, I want everything in exchange for giving you this technology. Um, what were what were we on about before then? Though the uh, the the turn with the the beast, the red bluster, uh, as they yep, as the the crew of the inevitable calls it, the uh, most elusive and most terror fearsome of the beasts. So you, we we know that these these uh, creatures aren't necessarily hostile towards humans 
at least some of the smarter ones. Maybe that crab one is more of like a, but it's just a dumb bug, like a, a you know, crab basically. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's right in the little armpit. I felt <laughs> yeah. bad for him too. I felt bad for everyone who got hit by those spears. Yeah. I don't know. I like animals, you know, how, how much should we trust them? Like how, you know, sometimes they will attack people for sure, but maybe, uh, you know, we just need to respect them and keep our distance. Uh, but yeah, the uh, red bluster is friendly and she even helps Maisie and Jacob, you know, return or to safety. Uh, but she does get like triggered by the sight of uh, a hunting ship. Um, so I guess that's the one thing that incites hostility within these creatures because they've been hunted probably yeah because of their previous experiences and that was very much like way of water too um with those big sea mamas like they know when something dangerous is is coming you know mm -hmm. although i mean these these sea monsters didn't really like run in pods or anything like that like we didn't see any other reds or blues did we they were kind of like standalone yeah creatures. okay that's what I thought. Yeah, the only one that we ever saw multiple of was the the yellow rhino ones that he accidentally broke the eggs of. So I guess I mean that I guess suffice to say if there is an a sequel, there could be multiple reds, multiple blues, multiple crab monsters. <laughs> like their little families, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if red shows up with children. That just seems like something that might happen in a sequel. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how uh, the human civilization of this world, you know, whether it's supposed to be Earth or just a, an Earth analog, uh, coexist with these creatures in a, a potential sequel. Um, I hate it's almost, Philip, but that? I know that I can almost guarantee that the humans are going to make it worse before the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> From all the movies I've seen, it seems like humans have a knack for just messing it up somehow. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we just get in there and muck around. <laughs> Plus, I wonder just if in theory. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there'll be like a magic aspect as well. Like I know it was just like, you know, nature and humans in this, but with like the witch lady, <laughs> when she's like, oh, I'm going to get everything. Like, is she going to come back to collect? She's going to be like, hey, <laughs> where's my stuff? I gave you the harpoon. So what's going to turn Captain Crow into Davy Jones? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Pirates of, the, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean start. It's it's a circle, full circle. Or they could do like a Moby Dick Jaws vibe. Like there's so many options when it comes to the, the seven seas and the sea creatures. Yeah, We haven't had a like a giant squid yet, so... We need more mollusk creatures in. Yeah, I think like the closest we've gotten in any of those movies is like the kraken. That's usually well, like yeah. the closest you get is the kraken. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, the whole um, abandonment of hunting. I mean, who who knows? Maybe hunting continues in full force in the, in the next one. But at least the the crew of the impure or the inevitable seems to. Um, have abandoned the whole effort and Jacob settling down Maisie that, you know, um, and, and yeah, like the whole aggression against the open sea and it, it's just sort of, um, metaphorical for, uh, the whole system of 
uh, colonialism was kind of rampant at the time, a trade, um, you know, global trade along sea lines that led to, uh, you know, various colonies cropping up all over the world and uh, shaped the world as we know it today. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what would the world look like if that didn't happen? And would it perhaps be better off in many ways? Sure. But, you know, we can't, you know, this is where like all the agitation and emotion comes in. We shouldn't just try to burn it all down now that we're here and we know sort of the underbelly. <laughs> um, but but we, we can do things like, yeah, now that we've made it this far, let's maybe, you know, step back a bit, settle down, um, focus on our family, focus on our the land where we live, um, try to try to you know, get our house in order, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> be, con be content with where you are and with what you have. <laughs> Absolutely. Could use a lot more of that. But of course, I don't know, things guys, like... that sounds like a fantasy if I've ever heard one. <laughs> no, well, I agree. You're like, it's 2023. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> no, I... In I, this I... economy? <laughs> Peace in this economy? I don't think so. <laughs> Well, and the the absence of peace is all driven by like greed and and the desire to exploit like the the riches of these foreign lands. Oh, just imagine, you know, mine, mine, uh, mine every mountain. That is literally <laughs> and, yeah. like I wrote that on here, like Pocahontas <laughs> colonizer versus natives greed story. That was like my very first. <laughs> dig yeah. boys, dig like. <laughs> but dig me. I mean, there was a there was a king and queen. They were there. I, I loved the the king and queen, the gold on their costumes and the gold shininess with oh. the animation. Just another thing about the animation. Love the I castle, did. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was very neat. I was like, they could throw a princess in this and do a little princess spinoff because the gold looks really nice. <laughs> All right, so I don't know. Any other thoughts? Um, yeah, the... I thought technically this film just looked magnificent um, and I like I appreciated sort of the contrast with, you know, the the recent, um, you know, hit, uh, at least personally, with um, Puss in Boots, which, which was doing something a little different stylistically. But, yeah, the the push towards hyper realism and just all the the detail of like textures and reflections you know the just the water looked as real you know and same go went for like avatar the way of water everything was just so precisely real looking is <laughs> incredible um and and i'm cool with that like give, give me more of that um but yeah if you if you choose not to do that that can also be uh a, you know equally valuable as an animated film um, and then I appreciated like the stylization of the characters because that's key. You, you don't want to make it into just like a live action movie that happens to be animated. Um, so yeah, the overall, um, you know, maybe make your creatures a little more scary looking, <laughs> but you know, don't want to scare the kids too much. Um, but I, I did like some of the grittier elements, you know, some of the, the dialogue wasn't dumbed down for kids at all. They use minor curse words like ass and bloody hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that that's not a curse word. 
in England. Not really. <laughs> I was going to say Harry Potter vibes. <laughs> yeah. The, well, the bloody 18th... you can say. It's fine. <laughs> well, bloody. Yeah, it's, it's a minor thing. But but realistic, you know, you want to hear some of these uh, things spoken in a in a story that's supposed to have stakes and uh, yeah, and consequences. You know, so these people would be cursing, you know, cursing like sailors. Oh, I mean, if something came out of the water while I was on a ship, I would be <laughs> saying much more <laughs> than what they were saying. So that's my rant. I, I'm not, I'm going to shut up. I talk way too much. So I, is, I, I took a week off. So I like I didn't get my I don't want to call it talk. Ther- uh, <laughs> I was telling Bridget, it's not talk therapy to uh, to clarify it's it's word therapy i i just need to get my the use of my words uh, out because because words to me are like like my friends <laughs> it's like yeah, and i i needed my flicks fix like i hadn't watched a movie in a second so this was perfect and i think yeah. we wrapped it up real nice we got to talk about the animation the themes the things we like the things we didn't like like what more could we ever hope for mm-hmm. oh i guess a sequel <laughs> <laughs> since we know it's coming <laughs> Yeah, uh, it didn't, you know, did anyone feel like it got too preachy? I I don't know. I don't think it really some of the Maisie stuff, but she was so um, charming. Maybe it's just the accent because <laughs> there's a similar character in <laughs> in the show, The Bad Batch. It's a Star Wars animated series. Um, and one of the leads is a young girl, similar age to Maisie and a similar like she's got an Australian, you know, Carl Urban's Australian. I don't know if Maisie, she kind of, kind of sounded Australian she's slash British. She's British. Okay. That actress. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it's um, the the girl in Bad Batch is, I believe, New Zealander. Um, yeah, Carl Urban's from New Zealand as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's specifically New Zealand. Well, mm-hmm. I I. Uh, uh, shame on me then for well, because uh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, well, Captain Crow, uh, Jared Harris, is that his name? Yes, he's mm-hmm. British, or yeah, he's mm-hmm. British. As I had to look it up, uh, I've seen him play a Scottish character on a show recently, and so I'm like, is he British? <laughs> yeah, Urban. I mean, any New Zealand actor has usually come up within like the Australian film industry, so those two kind of get lumped together but they're very close yeah. it's, it's a very charming like anytime i listen to someone who's got i mean even a british accent too you know and then they're all very similar they're you know from from the uh the commonwealth um <laughs> it's just there's something soothing about it i think it's uh it's sort of uh a voice of reason <laughs> <laughs> you're else. like yes I, I will listen to them they sound right yeah authoritative yeah <laughs> well no and I didn't find her I didn't find her preachy at all I think that she showed the kind of like excitability that you see in children like I, I mean Scarlet loves Pokemon and she will talk to me all day about Pokemon and I only know like the original 151 I don't know any of the other ones and she'll, <laughs> she'll rattle off and she'll quiz me on Pokemon characters that I've never heard of and so it's like that excitability and like her getting to meet her idols. Like I felt like it made sense in the story. So I didn't find that it was too preachy, even when she was like, hey, what we're doing is wrong. And because she's a kid, no one's listening to her. So it's like, <clears throat> of course, she's going to be like sticking with her convictions because she's like, OK, they're not listening to me because I'm a kid. But that doesn't mean that I don't have a voice and, you know, 
I shouldn't be listened to, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it creates kind of a good balance to have a character who's saying what needs to be said, but also, you know, is uh, that's mitigated by you know, other characters who are, you know, inserting some rightful skepticism, maybe, you know, just it's like if we all were subject to the whims of a child, you know, we, we'd maybe <laughs> that might only create further problems. But there is wisdom in yeah. pop tarts every morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And I will say, like, it's really hard sometimes like, as a parent when your kid is like, I'm like, hey, go do this. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because I said so. Like, sometimes you don't you don't even think that, like, maybe I should explain why I'm telling them to do this. And because you're like, I know because I have already been a kid before and I'm the parent and I know better. Like, I, this will be better for you if you do this. And so it's like, it makes sense that the elders were like, no, like, you don't know because you haven't, like, lived this. And so it's like, I can kind of see it from both sides because it's like, she doesn't, like, she's never been on a ship fighting monsters. So they're like, yeah, whatever you're saying, crazy, craziness. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Any further on the cast? I think we kind of covered it. And uh, other than that, yeah, I I briefly shouted out Dan Stevens, the 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 beat. You caught that, right? Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone yeah. seems to have forgotten that movie, probably rightfully so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he it was a weird beast. I didn't realize that he could sing, though, because he's in Downton Abbey. And so was the, the king, the voice of the king, who is Jim Carter. He was also in Downton Abbey. So I'm familiar with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't realize I knew I could tell that the king was a voice that I recognized, but I didn't recognize Dan Stevens when I watched uh, it the first time. Marianne Jean Baptiste was mm -hmm. um, the, the she was Sarah. The first mate. No, it, it was would Jacob be the first mate? Sarah's the um I, I who knows all the various uh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she was like she was like the right hand man of the captain. Yeah, Whereas so maybe she's first mate. Jacob yeah. Hatton, yeah, like I don't think Jacob was quite there yet, even though he was like set to inherit the role of captain. Yeah, I don't know. which I would be mad if I was Sarah. I'd be like, why does he get it? Maybe I've been here. Is, uh, I'm loyal, Sarah. Patriarchy. <laughs> well, I mean, she she was a woman, and depending on the time frame, <laughs> she she might not have been given the option. Yeah, so a little bit of historical realism. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you need it um let's see and yeah the, i think uh pretty much covers all sea uh yeah the sea beast <laughs> from 2022 uh and netflix animation i think primarily uh this was produced in vancouver yeah chris williams is canadian um he uh and he did move from disney to Netflix uh they I I think he was working on something at Disney after Moana and it just kind of it didn't didn't work out so an opportunity came up uh write and direct the animated movie Jacob and the Sea Beast based on his own original story um it was announced in 2018 at Netflix um there was that movie Gigantic but that was a different uh, it, it was canceled by Disney. That was um, like Nathan Greeno, one of the co-directors on 
um, Tangled, who was at the helm of that. Um, but yeah, Chris Williams. I I have his autograph. He I met him for uh, an autograph signing um, for the movie Bolt. He was one of the directors, if not the main director of that. Um, and I saw him speak on stage at these uh, screenings of Disney animated films a number of years ago when they were running all of the, it was um, like a film festival on seven, over the course of seven days, showing all seven films that had been released under kind of the new regime at Walt Disney uh, Animation Studios after Michael Eisner had left, after, you know, they brought in um, John Lasseter and Ed Catmull from Pixar to help restructure Walt Disney Animation Studios. Um, so I, I don't know if they, it, there was some kind of way to frame um <laughs> the release of those as like these these are seven quality films that were put out by Disney um <laughs> that were going to screen leading up to the release of our latest film which at the time was Zootopia this was early 2016 um so they showed Bolt Princess and the Frog Tangled um Winnie the Pooh Wreck-It Ralph Frozen Big Hero 6, all in that order. Um, and then uh, Zootopia, you know, culminating with the release of Zootopia. So all of those movies had um, screenings where uh, you, you would you did have a chance to um, get autographs from the directors or producers um, for the most part. Some, some, sometimes people, you know, weren't available. Um, but yeah, I got to meet uh, quite a few different uh people from the Walt Disney Animation Studios back in 2016 at some of these autograph signings. And you can imagine I was a bit over the moon. Uh, you were <laughs> I was, uh, yeah. He's like, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> no, I, I, they went well. They went well. Like, I, I behaved myself. <laughs> Shall I um, but yeah, uh, good memories. So yeah, I, I got an autograph from Chris Williams and you know, he's, he seems like a, a pretty cool guy. Um, but yeah, he, um, what, what's his credit on co-director of Bolt along with Byron. So basically um, the two of them together collaborated. Um, it was a fascinating um, podcast I, I listened to before starting the Zoom with, um, it was a panel at this thing called the Lightbox Expo, um, an animation convention hosted by one of the Bancroft brothers, Tony Bancroft, who directed Mulan, I believe, was uh, was the host of the panel. And he, uh, Chris Williams was one of the panelists. Um, it was all about directing in big studio animation um, and, and how, like, it's such a crazy ride. People like Brenda Chapman, who was one of the... Uh, do you guys know the story of Brave that well? Like the Merida? Brave? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Um, it was it was a troubled production, and Brenda Chapman, who's a legend within Disney and Pixar animation, um, and one of the directors of The Prince of Egypt. Um, oh, love. Yeah, she uh, she was released from Brave mid production. <laughs> Such she was basically she was fired, but 
um, you know, got a lot of support afterwards from fans and you know uh, colleagues who realized that she was done dirty by Pixar. <laughs> but yeah, that that film just wasn't going very well, and so they had to kind of make change a creative direction, and so she kind of um, just was no longer able to continue. Uh, in order for that film to ultimately get released, which it kind of shows, I I thought Brave was underwhelming uh, since since I first saw it. Like, don't tell anyone, but I've never seen it. Oh, what? Oh, I've seen like all the movies because I work with like princess performers who will like portray her, and I I like never want to tell them like I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's on my list of things to watch, but it. It doesn't grab my attention in any way, but I, yeah. I, I do love an underdog story. So I'm actually more intrigued to watch it now that I know that it had some production difficulties. Yeah. Uh, her replacement was this like hardcore Scottish guy. He would play um, bagpipes on the Pixar lot. It was, it was just, a, just quite a character. But uh, yeah. They said they, they need someone that that's from the source. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, and it was like, I will say I did like Brave, but I felt that the the story, like the continuity of the story was kind of lacking. It could have been told better because it was like, I just felt like there's like some plot holes. There's like things missing that I was like something like, I know how we got here, but wasn't really fleshed out. And I feel like it could have like, you know, they could have been a bit more in depth and maybe not shoved as much. I feel like they've tried to put a lot of ideas into it and a lot of different pieces and it was just too much. I was like, you could have told this story with less, with more storytelling and it would have been, I think it would have meant more. Yeah. Totally. Just so. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, um, yeah. I guess that all that, I just wanted to note that, um, she, so she had a really bad experience uh, trying to collaborate with people as a director, uh, but that came after a really great experience uh, being one of the directors on Prince of Egypt. So it uh, it really is just a, a crazy world, you know, animation and how how to really create the um, the alchemy for one of these films that takes just years to make such such a, a labor of love. Um, but yeah, th this this was a surprise to me seeing such a competently animated film that didn't get a whole lot of, uh, you know, traction on my radar personally. Uh, but apparently it, it uh, found an audience. I'm sure a lot of younger viewers of Netflix uh, really took to this film, Sea Beast. So um, I, I hope to see it continue. Yeah, I really hope that at our next event, Godfrey will dress up as red. And we will just <laughs> and we'll have a story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he'll be Jacob, I'll be red. I'll just I'll yeah. be on stilts. It's okay. fine. <laughs> All right. Well, uh thank you both so much. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Jody. Uh Jody making a triumphant return to the Thoughtcast. Conversations about animation. I've been Philip Elke, uh, your long-winded host of the Thoughtcast. Apologies. Um, but yeah, it's been good to be back. Hopefully I'll get this episode up fairly soon so we can uh, get the ball rolling on on some more uh, Oscar talk with uh, with movies like the uh, Guillermo del Toro, Pinocchio and uh, Marcella Shell. Um, other than that, um, yeah, uh, see, Bridget, uh, let you 
share uh, anywhere you can be found on social media? Oh, yeah. You can find me on Instagram. It's Bridget. That's Bridge with a T, 5246. Jody. Lately, I've just been on TikTok, and it's Jody, J O D I, Pulaski, P O L A S K Y, 4 7. Um, so you can find me there, or hopefully, you'll find me here um, in the upcoming episodes. I want to be back yeah. and better than ever. Send her all the news, all of the news you can find. <laughs> so I can so I can throw it back into the recordings here. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been really fun. Uh, oh, and I have something yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope you all live a great life. Because <laughs> I, felt like, I feel like that's the quote that everyone needs to remember here. Make a TikTok of you just saying it in the mirror. And then they can use it as their morning affirmation. It's not the worst idea you've ever had, Bridget. Thank you. <laughs> Find Thoughtcast, Thoughtcast.com, at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram, uh, streaming all over the place on various podcasting services. And uh, find me at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, that concludes today's messages. Uh, you all have a wonderful day. I screwed that up. You all have a magical day. <laughs> Warm hugs. Celebrating. <laughs> celebrating Disney's uh, 100th uh, <laughs> anniversary this year. Look forward to more of that. Uh, have a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Jody, you say it. Warm hugs. <laughs>